He pioneered Jets blogging and podcasting. He brought smiles to the faces of Jets fans all over the world. He was there through the good and bad. And then, one day... He vanished. People far and wide wondered, where has he gone? When will he return? Thankfully, the answer is... Now! The OG of Jets podcasting and blogging is back! Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in! Live from the Vivid Seat Studios, use the promo code OVERTIME for up to $100 off your first ticket purchase after you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. This is There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett. I'm back, the real me, let's not, not make a whole thing of it. And his co-hosts, Chef Travis Milton and Josh Conrad on Turn on the Jets Digital. Welcome back to There's Always Next Year. I am your host, Brian Bassett. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian underscore Bassett. And as always, I'm here with my rowdy friends from Monday night, Josh Conrad, who you can find on Twitter at Josh underscore Conrad, and Travis Milton, who you can find on Twitter at Dash37Board27. So we were texting over the weekend, Josh, and you were mightily enticed to to get a cheap ticket uh, to the game, get on the train and, and get a cheap ticket to the game. Are you glad or are you sad that you didn't go? I'm a, I'm a little bit of both. I, first of all, I couldn't find anyone to go with me, which might have been the saving grace. But if I was going, it was really going to watch a train wreck, a Sam Darnold-less team, a Quinnen Williams-less team, a C.J. Mosley-less team, just light it up in the worst possible way on Monday night. So, you know, mm-hmm. of the people I know that ended up going, they said – like the the abysmal team was secondary to just being out in nice weather in yeah. New York City. Do, what am I glad I, I wasn't there to have to do the travel home after that loss? Definitely. Am I sad I didn't go? Definitely. So a little bit of both. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I was kind of like you were asking Travis and I. Hey, like guys, come on up. And I was like, my wife would murder me. Like I can't. <laughs> even, I can't even like. You know, like, uh, you know, put the kids to bed some nights. I'm so exhausted. Like, but, uh, but yeah, I'm not going to get on a train. Thank you. Very tempting, very tempting, but I'm not going to do it. Travis, um, I yep. need you to talk me off the ledge or, or maybe give me a push. What, what are, what are we doing at this point going into week three? I'm probably not the best person to talk to you off the ledge, especially because I, uh, I decided that since my 40th birthday is a month from yesterday that I am going to, uh, I'm going to not drink for a month. Ooh. So I probably need more prayers than anybody. <laughs> okay. Fair, fair enough. We will, uh, we will be, yeah, we will be holding candlelight vigils and, uh, and keeping you in mind in this, uh, in this, in this, uh, tough time ahead what will what are you going to be substituting for white claw though this is what i need to know like are you going to be drinking just Lacroix or seltzer water or no i'm just drinking like lots of coffee okay (laughs) so going the other way so you're going yeah i went the other route yeah gonna drink lots of coffee are you going to like become like a super duper connoisseur like the person who you know pulls his own espresso espresso shots and or are you just like just drinking like whatever's available to you? Yeah, right now I'm drinking an extra large medium blend from Sheets. So Ooh, yeah. okay, so, so connoisseur. Sheets <laughs> Sheets is world renowned for their coffee quality. Yes, right. especially the medium blend. Mm. Yes, or medium okay. roast, whatever. Yeah. 
Well, well, well. Okay, so I'm not going to be getting any hope from you. That uh, help from you, that's fine. But yeah, I I am two weeks into this season, and I, I just am. I'm a little bummed. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think everybody realizes it's going to be a long season. But you know, the sooner we can get Darnold back, the sooner we can get Herndon back, the sooner we can get Mosley back, the sooner uh, you know Quinn Williams is available. Like that's only going to help the team. But like that that Monday night game was rough. So let's. Even though this podcast, while normally will be coming to you on Tuesdays, um, this week with kind of the weird Monday night schedule, we're coming later in the week. But we do have to talk about this game because there were just so many problematic things that we kind of see that are generally systemic of this team. Um, uh, Question, Josh, do, do you think Greg Williams knows who Odell Beckham is now? I... I if if Greg Williams didn't know before, I'm pretty sure he is very aware of who Odell Beckham Jr. is at this point. That was by far one of the worst defensively coached games I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, you know, if he doesn't know who the guy is, how can how can he plan for it? <laughs> right. I mean, he really- if he's not aware that he has, you know, basically a generational talent, you know, lining up against him, of course he's going to, you know, push uh, pool, pool towards uh, Brian pool towards, towards covering Jarvis Landry, right? Like the only, the only recourse Greg Williams has is just to up the ante and for the rest of his life claim he has no idea who Odell Beckham is. Like that's the only plan that he has to save any face is to go. I literally don't know who you people are talking about until his dying day. And and just, but then he can also like, you know, kind of layer in a, like, does anybody else smell burnt hair? Like, you know, kind of like, Oh, oh he's stroking. Out. It's fine. It's, it's stroking out. It's oh guys. It was so bad. Not good. No, so like, bad. Just, we're, we're, we're going to get into this a little bit later in terms of Greg Williams, but like, uh, and and kind of some of the the repercussions of it, but uh, you know, in uh, in kind of when we check the timeline, but like the thing that I I said going into the season is, are the defensive players going to do the things enough where they essentially just ignore what their coach does, like and tells them to do? Um, and so far, we're certainly not seeing it. And at the same time, like I'll I'll try and find. The- old tweet an old story about when greg williams like some intern was like hey why do you got why do you line up guys 20 yards off the line of scrimmage uh you know your safety's uh 20 yards off the line of scrimmage when he was with i think it was when he was with the brown then he was like because i said so i'm gonna fire your intern ass right like <laughs> it's like okay good a good way to roll right yeah at least at least you know it's like when an intern knows you've got a bad coaching plan and your response is like i'm gonna fire you because you asked me a question like that is classic, just hubris and like you know not being open to new ideas and new thinking and like I think we're just going to get a lot of that, hopefully until the until the players just stop listening to their coach. Um, I have another question. Uh, I mean, I feel really bad for Tremian, uh, Trevor Simeon and his, his um, and the way he went out of that game, but like I mean, I tweeted in that moment, which was probably not very kind. Um, even like this hump can't even fall right. Like his game was so bad, so bad. Like when you 
saw what Trevor Simeon was doing during the course of the game, um, and then Luke Falk came in, were you more worried or less worried? Because I was less worried once I saw Luke Falk come into the game. I mean, I was more worried because, I mean, I I don't know. I think I think Falk actually performed pretty well in preseason, but, you know, third-string quarterback's third-string quarterback. I, I'm, I'm, I'm over my, you know, I think we all have gone through our ebbs and flows of bring on Kellen Clemens, bring on Brooks Bollinger, and now I'm just like, shit, no, don't. Right. <laughs> I, I, I've never understood. Like, I, I get it from a talent standpoint, right? Like, your third-string quarterback is clearly – just a guy in a uniform who's going to come in and take snaps. Why doesn't the play calling get more open and more creative? I feel like Luke Falk threw the ball for it. Like, I think the air traveled on his, you know, 15 or so passes, a total of like 15 yards. Like why, why not just, just line up and play Madden at that point, go five wide and throw everybody to the end. Like I've never understood that. Give the fans something, give your team something like all the dump offs, all the little screen passes from Luke Falk. I'm like, I know that he probably isn't comfortable in this offense, but if he's played quarterback for any length of time, and let's remember where he played in college, boys. He was in Washington yeah. State, the mm-hmm. air raid Mike Leach Mike offense. Leach. Like, mm-hmm. just throw the friggin' ball around. Let's have some fun. It's it's a great point, and uh, like I think that was one of the one of the frustrating things for me, kind of watching the game. And I mean, Simeon was just out of command, and I, I was watching on you know the ESPN Monday Night feed. And, you know, he, Booger McFarlane is just making excuses for, like, he's rusty. He hasn't played in a while. Like, no, he's there. The second game of the season. He played right. all preseason. Right, exactly. It's like he, he can't be out of sync with these guys. I understand he's running back up. But, like, it's this is not a function of Trevor Simeon's rustiness. This is a function of his just – just playing terribleness, right? And, like, I think that's the thing that drives me crazy. Like, when I – I mean, I couldn't even give you a good example of a, of a current free agent that I feel likes better. I mean, they, they bring in David Fales, um, you know, who obviously knows the Gase offense a little bit. And, you know, and that's good. But you know, but when you when you look at a guy like like Trevor Simeon and you look at kind of back at his, at his college, you know, resume – uh, he basically, here, here's 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 who he was in college at Northwestern, right? So this guy basically had a 57.8 college QBR, which is good for ninth percentile. So 80, what is that? Uh, 91. 91. Thank you. 91, I'm, yep. good, I'm good at counting. Um, 91% of all college quarterbacks were better than him in his senior year, or his last year. His yards per attempt was 6.4, which is fourth percentile. 96% of the players were better than him, right? And so when you have a guy like like Luke Falk, who, to your point there, I mean, I don't think he's any great shakes better, but right, he, he can at least air the ball out a little bit. He was a little bit more productive in college. He doesn't necessarily have that cannon arm. Um, but right, I, I, when, they don't, when they don't put some deep plays like, in there, I think it's a function of they just want this person to be steady they want to make progress. They want to get a couple first downs. And if you're throwing, you know, a twenty yard, a twenty yard out or fly on on first and ten, like now you're second and ten, and and like let's face it, that offensive line, I don't know if they could even buy him the time to you know to hold on. But to be honest, like the game plan wasn't any more conservative than we've already seen from Gates. I think it was. I think right. 
Right. It's a good point. But I would say, as you noticed, as the game progressed, Falk did try, you know, some deeper plays downfield to Robbie Anderson or towards the sidelines. But I am with you. Like, if you can, if you can buy a little bit time or get a little bit more protection, like, why not put it to the boundary? Like, just, just put it where, if, if you feel confident enough in this guy to be on your roster, you should be able to feel confident enough in his ability to put it kind of on the boundary where only his receiver can catch it. But I don't know, maybe that's, you know, something only 16 players in the NFL can do, not even a full 32. So uh, I just, it's just one of those situations where watching Trevor Simeon play made me more upset about the evaluators than Trevor Simeon. You know, when I knew Trevor Simeon wasn't going to have a good game. So pre pre game when he was mic'd up walking around going, let the fun begin. I was like, this <laughs> oh, is no. a this is a drinking night for sure. And that was before the opening kickoff. Yes, agreed. A hundred percent. Mr. Personality. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. I changed my timeline, uh, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, uh, so Le'Veon Bell. Let's talk about Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he was Jameson Crowder and Le'Veon Bell and essentially the only bright spot of this offense in this game. Um, and I respect the fact that not only did he play his heart out and did he get pounded, uh, you know, a number of plays, like after the game where he puts out on whatever it was, Instagram or Twitter, like, hey, I'm just blessed to be playing this game, you know. And so, like, that's kind of what I didn't think someone like Le'Veon Bell would bring to this team. But certainly I think, you know, he is – the chips are down and he's taking the right attitude, at least publicly – um, what did you guys see when you watched him play? Everything that, that I've wanted from a Jets running back since Curtis Martin left this team. Um, I mean, just tons of patience, which, you know, is, is not easy for a running back with the offensive line that we have right now. Um, it just brilliant play. I mean, he was the entire offense. Yeah. Right. I mean, and it was crazy, like, when, like, in the first and second quarter of the game, and they were, you know, they were obviously struggling, and he would run for five yards, and the crowd was, like, getting into it, or he would run for a first down, and, like, the crowd was like, oh, my God, like, this, not that they shouldn't be cheering for a five-yard run or, or a first down, but it's like, this is what we're reduced to. Like, this is... <laughs> You made me this way, Jets, like, where it's like, like, I'm glad that they were cheering their guy on, but at the same time, like, it was almost like cheers of relief, right? Like, oh my God, we got a positive play, yay. It's like, oh, that, that's our level of expectation? Like, geez, this is, this is rough. Yeah. But, I, but I agree, he, he, he played well. Um, Josh, I'm curious from you, what changes to the lineup must be made this week as we're going to get to the Patriots in a little bit, but uh, what changes must be made to this lineup? Yeah, I, I, I think we're already seeing them in play, right? Like I think, I think we're realizing, you know, the, the PFF numbers come out about Leonard Williams and him ranking 110th out of 116th interior linemen this week. And it's like, I think we're just done, right? Like, Anybody, anybody holding out hope that Leo Williams is going to turn a corner, a corner like, I, I think we're just done. And, and the sooner Quinn and Williams can come back and really start to take over a bunch of those snaps, I feel like is going to be wise. Also, you know, obviously Tremaine has been kind of buried on this team oh. already. And I feel like we're just also done there as well. Like, I can't believe within a year and a half, you know, the contract that he got coming out of um, uh, yeah, LA right. from the Rams, it's, and like, it's done. 
While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. The way Jermaine Johnson has played has been I mean, literally a disgrace. And I mean, more, more disgraceful than his play has been the contract that Mike McCagnan gave him, who was called Dave McCagnan on the, on the broadcast, <laughs> which was amazing. I was like, exactly. Thank you. Every, every time I, 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 I see how poorly Tremaine Johnson is playing, I, I am taken back to that moment in training camp with you, Brian, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, right after he got signed and we're standing in right in, right behind his mother yep. and I, I gave his mom a hug and was, was told her like how, how psyched I was to have him on the team. And Oh my God. It's, it's, <laughs> that was a good family. If I, if I could go back, I would, I would ask her to please talk some damn sense into the, him. Just, you know, Get can on the slap, field. Can you slap your son upside the head for me, please? Right, like. Please. Uh, per- I'm sorry, know. I gave her dinner. Re- I'm sorry, I gave her dinner recommendations now. <laughs> I mean, that's how bad it is. You're like, you're even like, he's so bad. Like, you're sad. You were nice to a kindly old lady. Like, that's yes. how. That's how bad he is. Like, that's not on. That's not your fault, Travis. Like, it's clearly not your fault, right? If if you're like, I I, I swear to God, I'm so sorry. I told him to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> no good. Yeah. So so here's here's where talk about Tremaine. Um, he is going to be cut. I don't think they have the ability to cut him this season. They might try and find a way to shut him down, put him on the IR some way, right? Like you know, oh, he's got a he's got a hangnail. Like let's put him on the IR. Um, but next year, like he is going to count twelve million in dead money against the cap with a three million dollar cap saving by cutting him next year. And so so his total cap number will be fifteen million, which is one of the biggest cap numbers um in the in that third year of the contract. And there's no way he's gonna allow them to restructure it. Like why would he do that? Makes no sense for him. But the point is they're gonna pay that dude twelve million dollars to go away. 
um, and and you know, and they'll save three million dollars on it. So I, if he is on this team next year, like I would be shocked beyond belief. Um, what about um, the center? It sounds like Matt Khalil is is out. Um, Jonathan Harris uh, Harrison is in. Well, how do we feel about that? Like we were, we that's where we were in April, right? And then yep. they signed Khalil, you know, early summer. And we thought, okay, good. They brought some help. It's been bad. So how are we feeling about Harrison based on how he played last year, guys? I talked about this last week. If there's any way to kind of kickstart any kind of continuity, mm-hmm. like, of course, I'd much rather have somebody more experienced and better than Harrison. But on the roster right now, if, if you want to if you want to get that offensive line starting to gel, he played almost you know a, a good chunk of last season with the guys, finished out the year when they were playing well, I mean, the offensive line was still shaky, but, uh, you know, I, I really feel like it's, it's a good move. Um, I, I'm, I don't love the guy, but it's, I feel like it's, it's a better position than before. And if we can figure out something to do with Kelvin freaking ben- Beecham, yeah. I, I said it right oh for the first God. time ever. Yeah. I mean, he's as bad as Kelvin Benjamin, just different positions. Yeah. Um, I'd Kelvin rather have Beecham. Kelvin Benjamin as our left tackle. <laughs> All right. Well, then maybe that's where we go. I can, finally, I can finally say it correctly. But I mean, yeah, he was atrocious. I mean, there were plays like I'm, I'm, you know, watching that game, watching Miles Garrett just beat the shit out of Kelvin Beecham was embarrassing. And then like it got to the point towards the end of the game where I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but the Browns coaches, they must have felt bad because they essentially moved Garrett to um, to against the right side of the, yeah. of the Jets defensive line, uh, off, uh, offensive line, they're like, you know what? Like we've beat up on this poor bastard enough. Like we need to we need to just give this guy a break. So, but they still kept playing Garrett, and he was playing from uh, from the right side of the offensive line. Uh, and it was just like, okay, like that's them. That's them being good sports, right? Like that's essentially them being good sports. So, like we just we can't in good conscience keep doing this because you know we're gonna we're gonna kill another quarterback because he's so bad like Beecham is so bad I, I don't know what they have in terms of like anyone else they could put into that position but like they've got to be playing more like protect on that side they've got to be putting more tight ends over there they've got to find ways to double whoever Beecham is lining up against because he cannot do it on his own now that was Miles Garrett but he has hasn't been great the first two games and guess what like Patriots are coming or you know we're going to the Patriots next week and it's not going to get any better um we need to talk about Jamal Adams so Jamal Adams was benched at the end of the game I'm sure you guys saw he kind of tried to anticipate the snap a couple times you know came through the line obviously he was playing hot at the end of the game he blew up Odell Beckham on one catch and he oh yeah other uh, you know other plays Nick Chubb and some other guys uh, he blew up Baker yes yeah on that one play with the late hit and and so but like we need to talk about this benching um and it sounds like the you know the air is clear it's all blown over everybody's good he's young guy blown off steam um but like are we worried long term about Jamal Adams and the Jets and his relationship with the front office and coaching staff. Yeah, I, I think what worries me, and I know this is this is kind of the vein that I think we're gonna have this conversation in, is like obviously like the Minka Fitzpatrick news breaks mid game, like all the Dolphins jumping ship, all the all the player movement, Jalen Ramsey wanting a trade. Like it feels like there is a shift for players in the NFL to start to adopt this NBA 
mindset of like just pressing for trades when they're just unhappy pretty quickly. And so I think, I think obviously his frustrations at the end of the game with those two penalties and then getting benched unfollowing, following whatever social media accounts he was following and unfollowing like this just felt like, I don't know if if the jets have to be careful as much as like all NFL front offices have to be careful. But you know, I, I, I am worried about losing him because he seems to be the only guy who's completely bought in from the fans perspective. And so if the fans lose confidence in him as our guy, he's certainly going to sniff that out and maybe he's the next guy pushing for a trade. Yeah, I, um, I, you, you kind of, you summed it up well. Like, I think one of the things, I don't know how this is going to play out in terms of the, the um, collective bargaining agreement, but one of the things we are quickly seeing, like it is changing so fast, is um, what would you say? Like a player's um, self-determination. Like I, I can't think of another way to phrase it, but like the ability to determine where they get to go, when they get to go. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick is a second-year player. He's under contract for as a first-round pick for four years for his team, and then there's obviously the ability to franchise that guy essentially as long as they wanted, you know, until he just, you know, stopped showing up or whatever, um, you know. But, like, but when you have a guy who's a second-year player who could be a keystone of that defense to turning an organization around like Miami. Um, and he's basically shooting his way out of town. Uh, you know, as you said, Jalen Ramsey, you know, others, Antonio Brown's a good example. Um, things are changing quickly. And that self-determinism is becoming much more important to these NFL players. And they're willing to leave money on the table or, um, you know, whatever, uh, you know, public appearance on the table to do some of those things. And we've seen a lot of that specifically this year. And I just worry that, right. If like, I would love, and I think we saw from Leonard Williams, right? Like there was this like, Oh, you know, he's a good player. He was a good pick. He's supposed to be the best player in the draft. And like, he's just been a zero, right. The last, whatever it's been 18 months for, for the team. Like I, but Jamal Adams tries so hard. He's such a hard nosed player. He's all in. He's fun. The fans love him. Um, but right, if he's not getting the love from the coaching staff and kind of getting to do what he wants to do in the midst of what is essentially going to be a, I don't know, six to eight win year, um, like if we lose this guy, you know, between now and the start of next season, when they can pull together an offensive line, when they can pull together you know, some decent cornerbacks, um, like that's a real worry for me. Um, because, because now things are changing. It's not like the old days when you were just stuck on a team for five years, end of story. Um, so well, yeah. I think one of the, one of the biggest things, and this is something that's, uh, you know, obviously this is not indicative necessarily of, of Antonio Brown, but, uh, players like Mika Fitzpatrick and Jamal, Jamal Adams, you know, these, these are, these are kids that came from really good college programs. They were high draft picks they come from a winning culture and they, you know, they've been winning their entire time and they've never had to deal with being on a shit team. And, you know, I think that's one of the things, that's one of the the connecting like pieces in this that I think a lot of people don't see or or haven't mentioned, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick and Jamal Adams are in the same spot we're in right now. They're pissed that they're losing Mm -hmm. and they're sick of doing it. And And, uh, and I think the big difference 
Sorry, and the, but you're right. I think the big difference in a, in a case like the Dolphins is like they're just selling off every spare part they have. Like no, hundred percent. Yeah, and so like the Jets haven't you know shopped Robbie Anderson yet. They haven't shopped um, I don't know Henry Henry and like like they haven't they haven't shopped some of these kind of pieces that are like eh, they're kind of a difference in you know like they're they're a positive player. So so like but right if the Jets start doing that. Like it's fucking over. Like Jamal Adams is like I, is going to be like I'm out. So like the Jets have to do their best to keep this thing together and not not tank like the like the Dolphins are clearly trying. Well, Adams is already he's already played through one tank and you yeah. know he's already seen it and he's come out the other side hoping that yeah. things would be better and now they're, they're not. not looking better. Right, agreed. And like you know, I'm not trying to say bring Eric Mangini back, but like that was one of his things. Like he knew it was going to be a struggle for a while, and he's like, I want those players that are you know kind of the gritty, the gritty you know locker room guys, you know, who will kind of play through adversity. But you know, I mean, that's that's why. Oh God, that that's why you draft you know Anthony Schlegel in the third round when you're when you're Eric Mangini. Like that's the other side of it too. It's like you just yeah. get a guy who is not equipped for the NFL game. So, so it's definitely going to be something they have to be very careful about and show him love and right. Don't make, don't signal to him that, Hey, we're giving up. Um, they've got to keep going through it. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast, Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the off season, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020, 2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them keep up with all the transfers in college basketball and so much more you are able to subscribe to hooping with hoops on apple Podcasts, google play spotify stitcher tune in or wherever you get your podcasts play like a jet play like a jet all right we got to keep going through it too here so uh let's move ahead i think it's time for us to check the timeline so i'm gonna go first um, I saw this tweet from Drew from Jersey, one of my favorite Jets fans um, and uh, best best reads on Twitter. Um, he, I saw one, but then I saw another one. And it's to your point earlier, Josh, you mentioned that. Uh, so here, here's what Drew tweeted. This was, um, I guess this was yesterday. He was kind of reflecting. Yes, it was yesterday afternoon. He was reflecting after the game. He says, the oddest thing about last night is ESPN thought it would be a good idea to mic up Trevor Simeon. <laughs> and that's, that's what you're talking about. Like, all right, all right. Like, who is excited for football? Like, I think the point is, like, Trevor Simeon is a zero in every possible sense. Like, like he, like he's not exciting or entertaining. He's not like he, you know he he doesn't have you know, quippy things to say. He's a bad NFL quarterback. Um, you know, he can't can't throw a football or place it or, you know, know what to do. Like he's just a zero in every capacity. And so while I feel terrible that he got injured at the same time, right? Like, yes, that's who ESPN chose. Like they, they like, you know, they could have had Jamal Adams. They could have had, um, I don't know, uh, Le'Veon Bell. Like there's other players that maybe they said, well, I don't want to do it. But like, why do you mic up Trevor Sumi? It's the worst idea ever. What did you think when you got to hear? They're like, hey, yeah, let's check in with what Trevor, Trevor Simeon had to say during the game. What were your reactions to that, gentlemen? I, mean, I was just like you. I was like, why? Why isn't Jamal Adams the one that's mic'd up? I mean, he's the one that's going to be out there with all the energy. I mean, Trevor right. Simeon? Right. What? So bad. I would, actually, I would have been stoked if they had mic'd up uh, Kelvin Beecham. Like, I would just like to hear oh, him go, oh, shit. damn it. Oh, shit. Oh, oh ow. 
That's what I want out of it. Guys, my bad. (laughs) Yes, that's. Oh, I blew it again. My bad. Yeah, I would have loved that. Oh, I would. Yeah, I would pay for that, Mike. That would be. I I would have wanted to have Marcus May um, mic'd up, and this will go into mine. So, Bill Barnwell sent out a a beautiful tweet with a nice um, uh, digitized version of the Odell Beckham eighty-nine yard touchdown that shows shows Marcus May. First of all, the angel defender thing, which is just the stupid. <laughs> it's like playing your nephew in Madden, and he he just has his kick like he, he's like in like kick like punt return coverage, and then his right. his his angel defender fifty yards back. And but the path of it, I don't know if you guys have ever watched like when hurricane simulations are coming up the East Coast, and then like they dive out toward the Atlantic. That's exactly the same course that Marcus May took on that touchdown. He just evaded Cape Hatteras like a hurricane flying back out into the ocean. Like it was the most. So Barnwell tweeted it, and it was it was just I, I can't stop watching it. Like the, the path he took to that ball was stunning. It's absolutely mesmerizing watching that watching that animation. But I what I really wish was showed up in that animation is where is Marcus May's back in that play? Like it should the twenty as it's kind of sliding across to to come over and, and help cover, it should like like spin around the other way so that his back is to Odell Beckham be like, Whoa, whoa oh shit. He he, he just, just kept the other way. Uh, it's and here's like watching that play. Like I watched, I watched the animation, and what you see when the play starts. Here's what I see: I see um, Pool lined up, and he is responsible for covering. Okay, like it's I guess some sort of zone thing. Um, he's supposed to cover Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham from the snap with no help. The the nearest help is. 17 yards behind him in Marcus May, who had his back turned when it mattered and is, is heading out, heading out to the uh, Sargasso Sea, as you mentioned, um, in the middle, in the middle of the Atlantic. Um, and then like you watch the play, uh, Neville Hewitt, like is basically totally bit on a terrible fake. So he's completely out of position. And like, there was just, there was just no, no, nothing to be done. I, even if even if Marcus May, I mean, makes that tackle, it's still a thirty-yard gain. Like, what the hell are they doing, guys? Like, what is Greg Williams doing? This team? I, you could put you could put like a black and white stripe over twenty in that animation, and you would think it was an NFL referee getting out of the way of the play. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, it's so bad. Like that whole that that is like just a microcosm of why Greg Williams is awful. And if he lasts more than a year, like I'm gonna lose my shit. Like I'm already losing my shit. We're two games in. He he continues to put these players twenty years on the of scrimmage, which doesn't even help. And then like you look at you look at what Jamal Adams is doing on that play, like he he's like in 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 that zone if this is a zone play like he's guarding linemen like he's guarding linemen like what is he doing in that situation i can't it, stop watching it, it it's I, it's mesmerizing <laughs> the more i watch that thing the madder i get at that play it 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 is everything that is wrong with greg williams everything that's wrong with greg williams so bad have i said enough about this Can, should i talk another 10 minutes about this what do you guys think 
No, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, we can keep going. <laughs> okay. uh, like, it's just... So, Travis, okay, I, I'm going to, uh, like, blow a gasket if I keep going here. I might stroke out. Is anybody else smelling hair? I'm smelling hair. Uh, <laughs> I'm smelling burnt hair. Uh, Travis, did you see anything that was funny or notable in your in your timeline? No, I actually found hope in my timeline. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> so it's this is uh, the greatest heel turn in this podcast history. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so pissed at that game that I just couldn't read anybody's tweets because I knew that they were going to be right around – right around where I was at and I was going to keep watching the mesmerizing play they were talking about. I, so I, I found a tweet from, from Manish. Um, and it was, it was actually just a tweet of his article and it was, it was about Sam Darnold coming back. And, uh, you know, it talked about how he, he, he was having cold sweats and didn't feel great going into the Buffalo game. Um, but he played anyways. And that gave me a little bit of hope because I really thought he played pretty he pretty so poorly bad. in that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, mono's a funky thing, and it's all about, you know, getting your spleen okay, especially to, to, to take a hit. Um, but reading that and, and thinking about the fact that C.J. Mosley would be back, and and I think one thing that we all saw, and this might talk you a little bit off of, 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 the, of the ledge, mm-hmm. uh, Brian, in that first half of that Buffalo game, one thing that masked the stupid 20-yard deep safety thing was C.J. Mosley's ability to cover the middle of the field. That's a great yep. Yeah, Neville yep. And I don't know if, if he has designed this offense so that C.J. Mosley takes that and, you know, Jamal Adams and Marcus May should theoretically be able to help the, the bullshit cornerbacks that we have or what. I mean, right now it's not working, but maybe when C.J. Mosley's back, we've got him across the middle and he was hands down the best coverage guy on the field that first half of the Buffalo game. So I see a little bit of hope in him masking some of that deficiency when he's back. Um, and like you said with Herndon, so, I mean, it just kind of snowballed with me and I was like, okay, you know, we're digging ourselves a hole, but hopefully by this Eagles game, we'll be back at full strength. And some of these things will have worked themselves out because we'll have some of our better players on the field. Right. And to, and to kind of what we talked about last week, like I'm not expecting them to, you know, really give teams like the Cowboys or whoever, like, you know, like to, to win against them necessarily. I just need to see some of that Houston game from last year. Right. And yeah. like, if they're firing on all cylinders and like, and I think that makes sense. That makes, uh, you know, in terms of Sam Darnold, like it makes sense when you think about the fact that Jameson Crowder was targeted 19 times in the first game, like, uh, Oh, okay. Right. Cause he just was not feeling right. He's trying to get the ball out. Um, you know, he's who he sees. He's in the slot. And you know he, he's he's available. So also, there's a lot of pain, you know, in your freaking yeah. in your diaphragm because of your oh, spleen yeah. and everything. So I mean, he's probably not making those. You know, that's probably why he's missing those. Yeah, you know, I, I might be sugarcoating this and 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 fairy tailing this in my head, but you know, maybe you know maybe that adds something to do with him missing. You know, Robbie on some of those throws because yeah. you know you're throwing from your you know your chest, right. and your, your torso. Yeah, that can't yeah. feel good. Yeah, and it's funny that you say that because, like, you know, having gone through hepatitis A, like, the doctors were, like, you know, leaning on me, pushing on me, poking me, and they're like, you don't feel any pain at all, like, when I'm pushing on you like this? And I was like, no, not really. Like, I don't know. It's not great, but it doesn't hurt necessarily. And to the point, like, every doctor who saw me when I was at that academic hospital was like, why are you not feeling pain in this? Like, you've got a, you've got an inflamed liver. Like, what's happening? And so, so the point is, like, they were surprised that that was my response, 
versus like, so that was the atypical response. And, you know, and I'm a doctor, so I know what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but that, right, so that, that might not be the same for someone like Sam. Like, well, he's feeling I extreme was, pain, right, because his spleen is enlarged. And so, yeah, winding up for a big throw, that could, that could affect that. I was the oldest person, I think, in the history of the world to get mono. I got it at 38. And, uh, I mean, I was, I was on the cook's line. I could barely, like, you know, turn yeah. a steak. I had, I had to cash out for a month. Um, so I, can, I can't imagine what it would be like, you know, trying to throw a ball freaking 60 yards. Since we're talking about the mono stuff, did you all get to see the nice graphic that ESPN made for Sam Darnold looking tough and then pointing at the screen, screen as it said next to him, out with mononucleosis? mononucleosis? Oh, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Unbelievable. I just I can't get enough of that either. Yeah. It should have just said, like, he's a slut. I also <laughs> like the, gir- the girl that had the sign that said I was the one that gave yes. Sam Darnold <laughs> I love the Someone fact that he had to refute it. It's like it was that was not it. Like she, I don't even know who she is. It's like we know <laughs> Sam. We know someone him. changed. Right. Someone changed the graphic to Sam Darnold totally kissed a girl, and that made my day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Omg! All right, we got to talk about the Patriots before we get out of here. I got to get out of here. I'm, I'm going to be in trouble. Like okay, uh, okay, murder, slaughter, genocide. Uh, which which. Which um which form of uh of of terrible brutality do you do you pick this weekend for the Jets? CJ Mosley's back. Murder. Okay. I I choose slaughter because I don't think he's back. Okay. Okay. I, I'll I'll go slaughter too. I don't think this is a full fledged you know uh, war crime situation, but like certainly this is not going to be great. Um, no. Uh, but let's talk about the, <laughs> let's put these theories to the test. All right. So the line for the game. Okay. All right. So this is, I want you to bend your mind around this. The over under on the game is 43 and a half points. Yet the line for the jets is plus 22.5 as of taping on Wednesday. Like, huh? like, right. So essentially that means like, it's gotta be like 30 something to, to 10? 10 something. But like, I, in this they game, think we like, can get ten. Yeah, they, that's my point. It's like I just I don't see how the 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 Patriots have outscored their opponents seventy six to three. Now, granted, one of them was 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 the Dolphins seventy six to three in their first two weeks, and Antonio Brown's coming online. So, like, I'm I don't do a lot of betting, but like I'm looking at this line and overs, like, overs, overs, overs. Yeah. I, I'm laying the points for the Patriots and I'm taking the over like, and, yeah. and, I, and I'm winning a lot of money. Like I don't, yeah, but, uh, but I would feel, I, I don't know if I could do that for this game. Uh, but if I'm looking at things from a very theoretical standpoint, like I just don't see them coming within 22. If they couldn't get in, if they couldn't get basically that close to Cleveland, who looks like, who looked pretty bad most of the, most of the game outside of a couple big plays. Like they just could not get their offense rolling. Um, Patriots are going to destroy this team. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, any thoughts about that in terms of lines or <laughs> Patriots and scoring? Am, am I correct in remembering that we got Luke Falk from the uh, Patriots practice squad? I, ooh, that's a good question. I, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that he was on the practice squad for the the Patriots. Sounds like. Uh, well, he was with the Dolphins last year, right? Because Mike Tannenbaum was tweeting about Falk. Okay, so no. So no. Was, Who am I thinking of then? Never mind. 
Well, yeah, there was a well. They got Demarius Thomas, but that he that they, you know what you're talking about. They um, they did just sign Fails to be the now the, the backup. Yeah. But I don't so, think he came from New England either. So Falk was on the Titans. He was waived, basically at cut downs in 2018. Dolphins picked him up, and then they waived him this spring. Um, and basically, then then the the Jets claim they did claim Falk off waivers from the Dolphins, though. All right, then I'm totally wrong. I, I feel like I remembered one of our practice squad quarterbacks at one point over the past couple of years being a Patriots uh, cast off. Totally, re- probably uh, a likelihood, but uh, but no, oh, no never mind. That I, I have no point. I have no point now. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Fair I enough. mean, I mean Tim Tebow, but that would have been the only one. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, let's go the other way. Uh, um, so, yeah, I like I look at this game. I mean, it's in New England. This team just doesn't have a lot to work with right now, especially with Darnold out. Um, Patriots are the most balanced team in football. Their offense is, you know, in terms of team efficiency, is ranked fourth. Their defense is the first overall defense in the league right now. Um, yeah. now again, granted, they, they basically shut out their, you know, they shut out the Dolphins and they held the Steelers to three points. Um, but, you know, that team is good. The defense is is better than anyone's really, I think, anticipated coming into the season. Um, I mean, this is this is an AFC Championship game team, unless something completely unforeseen happens. Like, is there anything this Jets team can do outside of injuring players to slow down uh, to slow down the Patriots? Uh, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> no. I just want I our offense to to outscore. To, uh, we, yeah. Our offense has barely outscored our defense at this point. Um, if they can keep up that, I'll, it'll right. it'll be a bright spot, I guess. Yeah. So you know, you'll, you'll, go ahead. The only the only thing I can see this week there, there's like famous NBA um, lore that there would be games where Larry Bird would choose like against lesser opponents. Like I'm just going to shoot with my left hand. I wonder if Tom Brady's like. <laughs> I'm just going to throw the ball with my left hand, and I think we're still going to win. That's the only way we're competitive in this game. That's so sad. I did enjoy the Belichick quote of, we really got our work cut out for us this weekend. (laughs) Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Oh, man. God bless you, Bill. God bless you, Bill. Um, All right. So it's probably a loss this weekend. Um, Then the Jets go into their bye next week. We'll start talking about kind of larger themes in our in our show next week or maybe we'll just have some fun. I don't know. We'll see. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope that everybody has a fun and safe game. Please do not put your hand through any TV sets or, you know, panes of glass. We will talk to you next week. I don't know if we can talk about White Claws anymore or we need to be talking about LaCroix at the end of the podcast here, but, uh, but tell us. <laughs> I hope you enjoy the game, Travis. I hope you don't get the shakes during the game. I look forward to our group chat. Pray for me. Thanks for listening to play like a jet presents. There's always next year with Brian Bassett, Travis Milton, and Josh Conrad. Just want to remind you real quick that fantasy football season is here. And this season, there are more ways to win than ever because FanDuel's got more ways to win cash prizes and once-in-a-lifetime experience during every single game every week. I know what you're thinking, but I've never played with FanDuel before. 
That's actually good because new users get 20 bucks in site credit if they deposit 20 bucks in a FanDuel Daily Fantasy League, which, by the way, I like way better than a season-long league because it gets boring. You have the same players. Yeah, you can tinker with the roster here and there, but this way you get a brand new team every single week, and injuries and underachievers don't screw up your entire season. Sign up now for FanDuel and get 20 bucks in total bonus. Just make your first deposit of 20 to get started, and you'll get an extra 5 bucks in site credit every week for 4 weeks. Go to FanDuel.com slash DFS Fantasy or download the FanDuel app. Don't forget to follow Brian, Travis, and Josh on Twitter. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. Let's turn on the Jets digital and turn on the Jets. Dot com.